welcome to StoryWise, the podcast designed to give you the in-depth story behind some of our top storytellers as a way to inform, motivate, and inspire you to believe that you too can make your dreams a reality. My name is Jen Grisanti. I am a story career consultant at Jen Grisanti Consultancy, Inc., a writer's consultancy designed to help you accomplish your writing goals and reach your career destination through one-on-one consults, seminars, and teleseminars. I am very thrilled to have with me as my guest today, uh, favorite of mine in the business. This is Henry Alonzo Myers. Hello. Welcome, Henry. <laughs> Hi. Now tell me your, your which I forgot to write down, your current uh, title on... Um, I'm a co-executive producer. So Henry is a co-executive producer on The Carrie Diaries, and I look forward to getting into that. Let me tell you a little bit about Henry. Henry Alonzo Myers has written or co-written 37 episodes of television over the past 12 years. He has written and produced for series such as The Chronicle, Charmed, CSI, Daybreak, Chuck, GCB, and Ugly Betty, for which he was nominated for an Emmy for Best Comedy Series. He is currently co-executive producer, there we go, on The Carrie Diaries, a prequel to Sex in the City. He has also co-written two pilot scripts, Ghost, Ghost Angeles with Josh Schwartz for NBC and Spirited with Chris Black for ABC. So where are those right now? Those are both dead. Okay. All right. I like it. I like it. But you had them going. Uh, um, a friend of mine liked to say, uh, uh, there's nothing deader than a dead pilot. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a try. Yes. It's an attempt. Yeah. I love it. He was, uh, Henry was born in Spain, raised in Ithaca, New York, and attended Wesleyan University, where he majored in film studies and American studies. He is married and has two sons. Welcome, Henry. Hi. Yay. So Henry and I have a history um, starting back to when I was an executive at Spelling Television and brought Henry in because I was head over heels in love with his spec pilot for Six Feet Under, which I felt was so phenomenal and which got him hired in the room on Charmed in a a moment that I'm very proud of. So, so all right. So, thinking of that moment, um, and that was after you had your first big break. So, what was that day like for you to get hired in the room? Because, quite honestly, in my entire career, I haven't had that happen. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, no, that was a good day. I, I had actually. It's funny. I well, um, I had been going out with a movie pitch with my friend Sylvia Orto, who had created the Chronicle, and I later worked with. Uh, on Ugly Betty, which he also created. Right. And we had uh, been going around town and hadn't had any luck selling it. And uh, my agent at the time called me up and said, you know, I have this meeting for, uh, for your charm. And I was like, okay. And uh, so, I mean, it was it was it was one of those like after a week of like because p- pitching features is tough. Right. It's just it's like it's grueling performance work. Yes. And we hit. I mean, I, th- I think at the time we had done like. I want to say 10 to 12 pitches, which is like tough. It's like two a day for a week. And then, you know, we'd squeeze in a third every now and again. So it was, 
was nice to get some good news. <laughs> right. Day. Yes, it was. A, well, it was yeah. good timing then. Right, right. It was good timing. And what I mean by in the room, so Henry was... Uh, I read Henry, I had a meeting with Henry, and then I gave his name to uh, Brad Kern, who was the executive producer, creator on Charmed, or not creator, executive producer on Charmed. And um, Brad then uh, met with Henry, and uh, I was in the meeting, and it was in this meeting where normally... You just meet, and later the decision is made as to whether a writer is hired. But because Henry was so strong on the page and so strong in the room, Brad ended up hiring him in the room. So that was a really great moment. It was Yes, I was grateful for that. <laughs> ah, yay, yay, yay. Uh, okay, so going into, because I always like writers to know, and, and you know, first, actually, I want to start with this question. Because I've had so many writers say to me, and your um, body of work really speaks to this. I've had so many writers say to me, do I have to stay in one area? If I'm a genre writer, do I have to stay in genre? If I'm a character-driven writer, do I have to stay in? And because right. I look at your credits, and they're like a all, over the place. all over the place, <laughs> very wide range. Will you speak to... Like how you did that with your port writing portfolio, sure. how you wrote toward that? Well, I mean, uh, I, I've been very fortunate. A lot of the shows I've been working and that I've been able to kind of jump back and forth between uh, kind of harder drama and more like and dramedy. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, as a writer, there are two things that I I like doing both of them. Uh -huh. So uh, it, I've been lucky in that I've been able to go from show to show and service service uh, you know both sides of my personality that's um, good you know I, I i it's funny the first the first job i ever got was off of a feature that i had written right um which was uh, kind of a weird hybrid it was like a romantic comedy but it, it with superpowers that oh, people had okay you know, it was sort of a um so genre was in you. From it was the genre, yeah. Yeah, because I, I was I grew up. I love comic books. Yeah, and I loved sci-fi, and I love you know like I mean Buffy the Vampire Slayer was a huge influence on me. And when I was little, I loved Battlestar Galactica, and you know one of the great prides of my life right now is showing my uh, my two sons the um, original Star Wars movies. I love it. And I you know and they are it's it's amazing. There's something Aww. in that something in that Joseph Campbell story thing yes. because. It is like locked in. It's amazing. That I they, they, agree. That's all they want to talk about. So, oh, I love it. Um, my dad. This is funny. This is. I remember I told this story to Brad in that meeting. But my my dad used to say um, that you know whenever I'd want to watch a program, he would ask. The first thing he'd ask me is, "Did, did it take place on Earth?" Right. <laughs> right. And you know, and if it didn't, he wouldn't let us watch it so oh, you know but that's very sort of, so it was drilled into you from was, a young age it's, but and yet i love yeah. that genre stuff like yeah. I, mean, I grew up reading sci-fi and watching uh -huh. doctor who and okay so uh, you grew up watching doctor who so you were yeah, cool enough to know I to watched, watch it way well, back I, I, it wasn't considered cool then yeah. <laughs> yeah i grew up on the the fourth doctor who was wow. tom baker okay because they those shows came to the states and they showed them on pbs right and they're actually a lot of them are still great today I and he's hear. one of my favorite doctors people go crazy over well it. he's just a terrific character and it's yeah. the kind of thing where like when you're younger you look at it you those are actually they're very, very well told stories right. a lot of them are horror right um and you know they didn't have you know they had didn't have a nickel to make those with and so a lot of it came through in the writing they would come they would create this great sort of suspense um you know so that because the guys with the 
bumpy-headed masks would never necessarily be scary, but they would build these, you know, entertaining, interesting stories right. uh, around it. Um, and, uh, I mean, like, that. That the, that's what I looked at when I was younger and thought, oh, this is cool. It's, he's a travels through time and so forth. And as I got older, I began to appreciate, like, wow, Tom Tom Baker was a really this amazing character. Right. And the the most compelling thing about the show and sort of, it's funny the thing that you look back I, I, that is as an older person, I look back on it and I start appreciating character and and more universal elements of stuff that that you know I think when I was younger I didn't didn't think about I and <laughs> you, know. you wrote toward that yeah so uh, I love that your feature was genre and kind of a romantic comedy with yeah. that that is well I, I had I had written I was a I was a my one of my first jobs in Hollywood was um like I had, I lived in New York for a couple of years, and mm-hmm. I had my my first my first first job was I had worked for uh, this producer, and I had um, I'd scouted books, right? And so like I worked with his director of development, and I would meet agents and read books, and right, and then like you know I read stuff that came over the transom, and so I kind of got a real that was really interesting, and then I worked for this indie film company for a while, and we made a bunch of like these kind of weird low budget indies that were kind of popping up in New York at the time in the nineties. And then when I, m- I moved out here to, to like focus more on writing, I got a job as a script reader for the William Morris Agency. Great. And I read, I think I read, I mean, this was what I did basically instead of going to grad school, was I read, uh, uh, I read 10 scripts a week, yep. every week. I wrote, you know, coverage on it, which is like a book report. Yep. Um, and I did that for three years, which, right. you know, I read probably about 1,500 scripts, like yeah. 500 a year. Yeah. And like that really gave yes. me the best image great like the best view ground. it was it was great training cuz yeah. like a lot it's funny how you don't you know if you want to be a novelist you read novels right. you know right. but a lot of people who want to become screenwriters don't i mean read scripts. they don't read right. scripts it, it's yeah. easier now than it was yes. back then like with because the because we can all get a hold of scripts exactly. now I remember which the, is awesome the first script i ever wrote was i didn't even have i didn't have final draft it didn't right. exist at the time i wrote it on microsoft word wow. and i based the formatting on like the the uh, steven soderbergh sex lies and videotape book right which he had he published the script I in remember. the original yeah, yeah, yeah. format which was uh, i was so grateful for at the time i love it you know uh, and it was a terrible script right this is the one lesson i i wish i could impart to people is that you you need to write some terrible scripts yes and and be okay and with be okay writing with terrible scripts. i wrote i mean here's this was the great thing about being a script reader that i right. learned right is at the time i wanted to write movies right um was that i i wrote I wrote seven scripts before I ever sent one to an agent, um, and I they're in a drawer somewhere, you know. Yeah. Um, I would send some. See, to the, that's a great thing though to share. You yeah. wrote seven scripts yeah. before sending anyone to an agent. That's well, a great I, thing the, the, to point out. The the job I had gave me a, like a a great kind of eye on the marketplace because right. I mean we would read, I would read like. Not only submissions that for writing samples, but like right. I would read um, stuff that was going to production. I yeah. remember reading like Eric Roth's early drafts of The Insider, yes. which is an incredible script. I agree. You know, I remember. I reading, love that movie. Uh, Aaron yeah. Brockovich, yeah. Uh, just a bunch of stuff like that that where yeah. that you read it and you're like, oh wow, this is. Yeah. This is what I have to this has to be what I write has to be as good as this before I'm gonna get noticed. Eric Roth is a good one to hold yourself yeah, up no, against. He's one of the I best love it. In the business. That's great. So, you know, it's it, um That's motivating. That's wonderful. It was yeah, that, so yeah. that was so like I, I it wasn't until I wrote something that I kinda knew was a 
had a distinct voice. Right. Um, and I, it's funny because I, I, I would send my stuff to the Nickel Fellowship. Right. That was sort of like the thing I did with it to have, you know. That's a good thing for people to do because yeah, that great. fellowship gets a lot of attention. It does. And I, I got like, I had a I had a couple, I had a, I had like a, uh, I forget which one. I had one, I had a couple quarter finalists and one semi-finalist. Great. I recall. Oh, that's wonderful. But it wasn't the one that got me my agent. <laughs> yeah, tell, tell me the story about what led to you getting your first, and who was your first agent? My first agent, agent was a, a guy named Bradley Glenn. Yes. Uh, who was a great guy. Love Bradley. Yeah, Bradley's a terrific guy. Um, although I'm, I'm no longer with him, but that that's also the business. Yes, um, it but, is. Uh, he's a great guy. Part he's a of really it. smart agent. Um, so the... Um, the uh, I had uh, let's see I'd spent a year trying to write a werewolf movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was trying to do like a genre thing, and it was very. It was one of these things where this this is actually interesting to tell talk about because right. was, I was trying to write like a straight up a more horror thing. Like right. a, it was a, a it was about like a teenage girl, and I, I can't even remember all of the elements of it. Um, and I just it it just sort of wasn't working the way I wanted it to, and I really just dug into it. And I remember. Um, I remember like talking to not I wasn't married to her at the time but my later wife and just having this moment of feeling like it was the end of the year and I'd only written this one thing and it just wasn't quite working and I just was frustrated and I was like I don't I don't like I don't I don't know what I'm going to do. I had one of those moments of like because I've been working at it for five years, and, wow. and someone had given me a great, great Wait, a feature script for five years. No, no, I'm sorry. I've been working at trying to break oh, okay. in as a writer yeah, for yeah. five years at right. that point, and uh, which isn't that long but right. at the time it yes, feels like a long, long. time yeah, you know because yeah. I, I uh so and there was um there was a website that i w- i would go to a lot of the time by uh, terry rosio and ted elliott it was mm-hmm. called wordplay oh i've heard about that it's a great site i mean and yeah. this is i don't even know if it's around anymore i think it, it is this was like in the 90s yeah it's it just a lot of terrific advice right. about it. and one of the things that they had advised was just give it 10 years yeah you know because there's no way in mm-hmm. you don't know the way in mm-hmm. you and and that time is maybe what it takes to become an expert at it mm-hmm. you know the 10,000 um, 10, hours yep. I this is one of those things where I, I yep. it was shocking to me to realize I'd done yes 10,000 hours in television yes well <laughs> in, in and television I think, work, you, know? you know I remember some manager I heard uh gave a keynote speak and he said and I loved it he said if you're not I think I may have said this on the show already but I loved the idea of it if you're not going to Give it five years. Don't give it five minutes. Yeah. And and so it is an interesting thing. And I think trying to explain, like, to my clients, you really have to be in it for the journey. Yeah. Because when I look of all the writers who I help staff or, or was a huge fan of way back when I started, and I look at so many of those writers, and this is, you know, 15, 20 years later, mm-hmm. are now creating shows. Right. And so you look at that journey and you go, Yeah. you know, you have to be in it for the long run. It's not something that happens overnight. And even when it does happen, right. the journey of going from staff writer to running your own show could be a long journey unless you have a something that makes it happen in a pivotal way. And, and, and there are people who are lucky like that. I, I mean, I've been a I've been a staff monkey kind of 
from the beginning. Right. Well, well let me let me get to that because yes. as I had no intention of going into television. Right. Oh, you didn't. <laughs> I like television. Okay. And I read and I watched television. So you I, wanted features in the beginning. Well, it was more like I had to focus on something. Right. I remember breaking down when I lived in New York, breaking down episodes of NYPD Blue. Right. To sort of see the structure of it, like I right. would watch it and write down what happened in the scenes and just sort of to get a sense of how the drama worked. Um, so anyway, I had written this werewolf script and I was feeling bummed out and I woke up one morning and I'd had this weird dream. Right. And I had this idea for a script and I, and I, I wasn't, I just, it was, I didn't want to tell anybody about it because right. I just thought someone, no one was going to, it was the kind of thing where like I knew I could, I had this idea and I didn't think I could pitch it and it right. would sound weird if I pitched it. Right. I didn't want to tell anyone. So I just thought I'd write it. And I wrote the first draft in a week. Wow. I just, I just dashed it off. I mean, I woke up one morning. I scribbled I in a book. I love that. That's great. Um, that, so, and and that became this script, Telekinetics Union, which was the first, this feature I wrote that got me my first agent. And, great. And a lot of it was, the, I think the big thing, the breakthrough for me on that was, had to do with, I mean, it was voice. It, yes. It was really like a, a, it was a script that allowed me, it was funny. Yes. It was, it, like, I allowed it, I let humor kind of come out. Of it. And it had some sort of serious stuff in it. And mm -hmm. it was a very odd you know, it was sort of like X Men meets Office Space. Right. This would be right. description. But when I finished it, I knew that I didn't know if anyone would buy it, but right. I knew that people would read it and be like, "Oh, this a good guy writer. has a voice." Good. You know what I mean? That's what you um, should feel. Yeah, and, and because I, that's what you sell. I should also stress yes. that the process of rewriting yes. it was, which was another six months. Right. You know, was incredibly important, and I got into the head of the characters. And right. It, 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 I. But it was one of those ones where I finally I heard the voices on the page. Right. I saw the people in the script. Right. You know what I mean? And, yes. and they had they each had a distinct voice. Yeah. They each had a I, I was trying very hard. So you found your voice within that exactly. script. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That was the script that really made me I love realize it. like, oh, okay, this is what it's about. Because, you know, I I always say that um I had a bunch of rules I learned from being a reader, just right. from like my own attention span and right. like, you know, never ne give Give characters distinctive names. Never name two characters with the same names with the same letter. I, Stupid things like that. That's one of my biggest notes. It's that a, was an Aaron Spelling it, note. That was a huge Aaron well, Spelling note. I mean, note. you know, yeah. he's, he's famous for he, yeah. he got rich for a reason. <laughs> um, and uh, and the other one was I, I always try to give every character uh, a, what I call the Indiana Jones moment. Yes. You know, there's a moment at the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark. We don't see he's in shadow for the right. whole opening sequence, and. Uh, I, I'm forgetting. Oh my! This is now I'm embarrassed because I'm I'm oh, a nerd. Me. But it, there's a moment where a guy attacks him, and then he I forget he uses his bull whip. Right. And he steps out of the shadow, and Harrison Ford's face is revealed, and you're like, "Here's the hero." Right. And so, any yeah. actor who reads your script, yeah, is gonna want to think that their character is gets that moment. Yes. So like you want like any reader who's reading your script is gonna gonna remember wants to remember the characters. Yes. So you you know you. You no, have to give good. everyone that moment. I like that you have the writer perspective right. and the analyzer, right. the analyst <laughs> perspective. I think I think that is terrific. Uh, all right, so let's see. So I then we're going to jump into the Carrie Diaries. I want to ask one more question. So sure. with regards to your voice, right. because it is an interesting question. Like when a writer does identify their voice, at what point... Do you really, I think you probably hear it early on, on a subconscious level. Yeah. But it, at what point do you think you consciously utilize it? Well, it's hard because it's, you, television is such a weird medium. Yeah. Especially as a person who's on staff. Right. Because you are, 
you are you are paid to for your voice and your perspective. Right. But you're also paid to mimic their voice. Yes. You know, and yes. so you have to uh, that's just a dance you have to learn how to do. You do. I, I mean, I got very lucky because my th- that script ended up, you know, like I, I I called all of my friends. Right. I got it to I think seven agents. I got right. rejected from five. Right. I got a Good maybe for everyone from one. To know. Okay. And then I got a very passionate yes from the guy who eventually became my agent, and he peppered the town with it. And I I it didn't sell, but I right. got. I think I got like 40 or 50 feature meetings off of it. Great. And then one day he calls me up and he says, you know, I think I had signed with him in November and this was like January. Right. And he calls me up and he says, um, hey, I never asked you this, but do you have any interest in television? And I was like, sure. And he's yeah. like, great, because these guys read your script and they love it and they want they want to meet you. And so I met with uh, uh, Silvio Orta and Gina Matthews, who were producing the yeah. show, The Chronicle, which right. was on the Sci-Fi channel. And it turned out to just, I mean, this is where I got lucky. Right. The script I had written was sort of a perfect sample for what they were doing. Good. Which was like a weird sci-fi horror comedy hybrid. Love it. And, you know, I I went in there. And it was one of those things where I felt like you don't realize what you're preparing for all your life. Right. And that was when I went to that that meeting. Yeah. And part of it was. I, the whole night before, I was like, "Do I really want to do television?" Right. I don't really. I don't know. I, I. I just and and I think it was like the fact that I when I don't when I can tell myself I don't really want something or yeah. I, or I can walk away from it. Yeah. What is I've always gotten that job. Yes. <laughs> for some reason. Well, and also I think that we we came up through the business in the generation that I think when when my career started, mm-hmm. it still was hipper. Right. To be a feature writer than a right. TV writer. Yeah, I would say I was, that Charlie it Kaufman has shifted. Was, I, I couldn't yeah. agree more. Charlie yeah. Kaufman had just hit, and like that was the kind of thing I was really. I mean, I loved his scripts. Yeah, I wanted to. You know, that was the kind of stuff I wanted to do. I loved indie film. Like, yeah, I loved, there was a guy named Hal Hartley who was a filmmaker in New York who I, his scripts I liked. They were very mannered and funny yeah. and weird. And, you love the feature world until you recognize that it's like a black abyss when it comes to the possibility of getting your feature made. Well, the crazy that was the crazy thing was that I sort of when I got onto this show, I right. didn't realize I, I felt I was very lucky. My first job was I, like as a staff writer because mm-hmm. we were such a small show and we were so, so short staffed. I produced every episode. Right. I never got rewritten. Right. I like I went. I edited all my episodes. I did so that was going to happen later. <laughs> yeah, but it was a, it was yeah. it was great because I had this moment where I realized like, oh wait a second, this is filmmaking, and I'm you know like I wrote I love four of these that. episodes, and I got to every you know like I got to have to do with every aspect of the production. So that was a great first. Well, show I had this. Experience. It was fantastic because yeah. it made me sort of realize like, oh wait a second, like what. Maybe I've had this all wrong. Like, right. may, this is this is sort. Of, I, I, it was like I backed into a career right. that I've been preparing my whole life for without realizing it. I like it. You know, I, I like I, it. I, I was very grateful for that. And I work with some terrific writers on that show who I are think, friends of mine to this day. Oh, so, I love that. You know. I think that is fantastic. I remember hearing about. I didn't see the Chronicle, but I remember not a lot of people that. did. But, <laughs> you know, but then, but, but you know what? Still, but it doesn't matter. It got you started. The 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 the, the, the job you have. This right. is another thing. It took me a long time to realize. And the show that people see, right, are two completely different things. I like that. Um, and I have had, and and you sort of what you realize you have to you have to learn to live with all of that. But on some level, 
the thing you have to live with every day is the job you have. Yes. And if it's a job that you like and you respect in, and you can enjoy, right. then, you know, Doesn't then the rest of it's going to be okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you can't, you, can't, you can't control what people are going to think of the I show agree. that you work on. I agree. You know? That's true. So. And I think letting go of that is a big thing and yeah. so that you're into the joy of the process. Right. Okay, speaking of the jobs that you have, mm-hmm. you are currently on the Carrie Diaries. Yes. So, I, and I watched an episode, and I Which loved, one did you watch? I watched episode <laughs> 10, I ah, think it was, okay. and, and, I, and it was fascinating for me because obviously, I mean, I was a huge fan of, of Sex and yeah, the yeah. City and, and saw probably every episode show. three times. <laughs> and so it was really good for me. I love the idea of the younger version of, of Carrie. And I, I thought it was a very cute show. So tell me, tell everyone about like the concept. So Well, the co- the show was created by uh, Amy Harris. I mean, it's developed by the, Candace Bushnell, who wrote the book. Right. Uh, wrote Sex and the City, also wrote a, a couple of books about young Carrie. Right. Um the Carrie Diaries. Yes. And uh, so Amy Harris, who was a writer on the original Sex and the City. Right. And is the showrunner on the show, um, developed this pilot from that book. Um, and sort of the thing that she did that was uh, what was very appealing to me about it was um, she uh, she kind of she kind of crossed genres. It's right. not a straight comedy. It's more it's a it's a it's a. I mean, I guess effectively it's a teen soap, right? But it's a high-minded teen soap. We right. were trying not to go for kind of cheap twists, or you know, uh, it, it wasn't. You know, we we would go for soft act outs if we had to. We didn't have to. We didn't have to, you know, gin up plot. Right. I mean, the the goal was. I mean, the first day in the room, you know, we had to relate an embarrassing experience from high school, and like it was a very nice. It's a really nice room. I mean, we were the shows we were aspiring to were shows like My So Called Life, right? Or, you know, I loved Freaks my, and, and Relativity, yeah, that, that type, yeah, I yeah. I love that show. Yeah, I loved Relativity. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you know, the the what was when I saw the pilot, I kind of fell in love with that show. Yeah. And it, it's weird because it was I had started that season telling my agent, um, you know, I just watched Breaking Bad and I was I had mainlined the whole season like a junkie. Right. And because. And uh, and I was just like I got I got to I got to you know because I had I've done like harder stuff. You have I yeah. mean my God you went but the interesting thing is you kind of did a circle because you went from Charmed to CSI to Daybreak to Chuck which was kind of a mixture. Well I did I actually did Ugly to, Betty and Ugly and Betty and then I went to Chuck and then to Chuck yeah so, yeah and um, then circling back around I think is in what in in GCB GCB yeah. was a show yeah. on it was a yeah uh, it's for good christian bitches yeah yeah well Love eventually that. became good christian bells yeah um on, on abc which was a uh that's well i'll tell you yeah no about, we'll definitely but. get into that so with the carrie diaries and you know i wished i i actually i jumped on i couldn't find the pilot i wanted to I'll get you a pilot. All right. I would love to see the pilot. (laughs) It's a really good pilot. All right. Miguel Arteta directed it. Oh, excellent. Um, You know, it was produced by Fake Empire, which is Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage. Right. It was just a, honestly, it was a beautiful pilot. Oh, good. I I, I started off the season telling my agent, like, I want to do something hard edge. Like, I want to do, like, a real masculine show. Right. (laughs) And literally, and then you get on the. Literally. (laughs) Like, she sent me this pilot, and I I watched it, and I just, I I had tears, and I was just like, I want to do this show. Because it's very, it felt like a John Hughes movie to right. me. Right. 
Um, it's an 80s period piece. The right. music was terrific. Right. Um, the woman, Amy, who created it is really smart. Right. Um, she's, really good. she's a really good showrunner. Great. Um, which, you know, I've heard is, that. You will discover yeah. later on as you, yes. the career is, is important. Did you navigate your torrential path? Yeah. I mean, I find when, when I go out on meetings, I'm interviewing them half as much as yes. they're interviewing me. Of course. You know, so. I mean, and, and I think, but it's good. So do you feel like this is a good fit for everything that you've been through in your career thus far? Was uh, yeah. This- I mean, I, I, I still, I also write stuff on the side. Right. It's sort of like, I, I don't know if there's any one show that encapsulates everything, right. everything. That I like doing. Yeah. It's hard to find hybrid shows. Right. You know what I mean? Chuck was a rare one. Was yeah. was a really great hybrid that was I'm kind of I'm like- still waiting for someone to do like a half hour sci-fi comedy. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I guess they did. They the the neighbors is, I guess, the closest. They is that have. It's, okay? It's, it's about a. Um, I've heard about that, but I haven't seen it. It's one of the shows that like it wasn't well reviewed when it first came out, and then, right? But the show is kind it's of a high growing. quality, and okay. people are starting to like what it. What network it, do you? Remember? It's on ABC. I believe. ABC. Oh, yeah, I believe it's right. ABC. Oh, um, all right. Then I gotta. It's. A, I have a friend who was a writer on Chuck who writes on the oh, show. Oh, good. She's always posting about it on Facebook. But all right, it's then a, I'm it's gonna about have to like check a, that uh, out. Neighbors who are aliens. Uh huh. You know, but it's very funny. So kind of like was it? What was the Third Rock from the Sun? Yeah, Third yeah. Rock from the it's Sun. It's kind of the same. Yeah, I mean, same but, but type with a of idea. Yeah, um, I like that. All right, so then let's see with. Oh, with Carrie Diaries, and actually, I should have looked for which. I should have asked you which episode. But well, you I know, have one coming up in a couple of weeks. Okay, I wrote, good. I wrote episode. I wrote episode four okay. of the season. Okay, and I wrote that episode, wasn't on Hulu. It, yeah, it, it probably started was off. with episode six. Um, yeah, and I wrote episode twelve, which okay. is going to be on in a couple of weeks. All right, so the everybody, episode the thirteen is the finale, and it's very great. It's, I just saw the cut, and it's very – Oh, uh, good. I was very proud of it. All Patrick right, Norris is the director. He did a beautiful great. job. Excellent. And, I mean, the, our actors are really great. And oh, it's good. Very, it's really heart-wrenching. Oh, good. I can't wait. You All know. right, I'm excited. And that's a – do you remember the date? Uh, I. It's probably – let's see. If this is the 10th, it would be two weeks from Monday. I, two weeks I don't from know, Monday. I don't remember okay. the date. All right, perfect. I'm sorry. No, don't. So. I put you on the spot there. In it's two funny, weeks, that, people. Th- that's a two show. Two weeks that, from Monday, yeah. you're, and this will probably go up. Who knows? <laughs> They'll figure it Just out. Just check your local list. Check things. it out. It's the episode before the finale. Yes. Yeah. Second to last episode. Love that. It's always that's, a great episode to write. It is. Because you get to mess everything up <laughs> and you don't have to fix it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That is great. Now, how does the writer's room work on the Carrie Diary? On that show, uh, uh, I mean, we. It's a it was a it's a very room intensive show. Right. Uh, all the shows I've worked on have been very room intensive. Um, you know, we uh, meaning you stay in the room for most of the time. We, we, we break everything together. Right. We talk it all out, and then usually, like on that show, because we had a very small staff. Right. Um, we would uh, try for the. We actually got a, a head start and were able to start early. Right. Which is great because it's. You, we had Amy who created it in the room with us Great. Um, like most of the time for a long time, which is especially with a new show, it's hard because she's, you know, you're trying to understand the voice of the creator. Right. And you want to understand the voice of the show. And, you know, like uh, as a co-EP, like my job is to kind of keep the room running. Yeah. Uh, when she's not around and to kind of like you're, there are a lot of duties that co-EPs can do. But like the primary duty, the thing that you know, is the most important is that you just, you have to keep the story train running. Right. Because, you know, if you, if, if production catches up with you and you don't have scripts done, it's, it's a, your life becomes 
a hell. Yeah. <laughs> it's a disaster. I mean, and I've, right. I've been on shows where that happens and you work away around it. And, you know, um, I mean, on Ugly Betty, we would have, and it's funny, we found a way to make it work. Uh, we would have scripts, because that was a, uh, we would use a lot of comedy techniques on that show. Right, where, right. You know, like room writing uh, occasionally or punch up and, and like, so uh, maybe twice a season and it's never really your fault. Mm-hmm. You know, like a show would get blown up or, you know, right. like the network would throw out an episode or something right. wouldn't work and we would be in day two of production and we had to throw out the entire episode oh and then we'd have to redo it. And That's so- That's stressful. <laughs> It's stressful, but it's yeah. funny. I, I don't know what like something happened to me right. on that show because I was on the show for the full run of the series, just right. about for four years, and I was an EP in the last year, and it just got to the point where I kind of internalized it, and I knew all the other writers. We knew each other, right? And we, uh, you know, we just it, it was sort of like you just got in the trench for three days, and you had three writers with you, and we would just reconstruct it, right? <laughs> and it always worked out. I you know? well, I think those don't are panic. Good That's tools. really the main thing. Don't, don't panic. panic when the network says no yeah. go. Just do it. Um. So okay. So with Charmed, let's talk. So going back to the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, which I like the circle. So we <laughs> and started with the end, and we're going back to the beginning, or toward the beginning. After Chronicle, you did Charmed. How? Mm-hmm. How was your experience on Charmed? You were on Charmed for how many years? I was on Charmed for three years. Great. Um, so that was my first big run on a show. Great. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, and and I'm still grateful for that job. I mean, it like, you know, it was one of these like it bought me my first house. It, you oh, know, like, I, I love I, to I, hear was, that. Yeah, it was a lot of like Yay. it. It kind of got it. It, you know, it, it was it was exactly it was the, the pivotal, right job at the right time. Right. And it was a, it's funny because it was it was a great it was a really great incubator right because um, a lot of the people who kind of came through that show I agree are have gone running on. shows and are Krista like, Vernoff Krista and Chris and my Levinson friend, and, yeah, uh, and Zach Estrin and Zach Estrin and, yeah and, uh, Mark Wilding who I Mark work Wilding with, my that's... friend Janine Renshaw yep. you know uh, yeah just call out you know, to like all of Monica them Monica and Allison there's, oh there's yeah a million, Monica you know, and Allison. Oh my god! <laughs> so many. I know. There's a. I mean, yeah. Stallone, who I still see. I mean, there's a lot of people. Great. Keels on that show. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 one of these. Um, even Andy Reeser, who yes. you know, Andy. Of course. Andy was who I got helped get him onto, and again, this is great. Me, I I I made a suggestion when I was on GCB that because right. we needed help, and. Uh, he got the job right. himself through his own talent, but right. got him onto that show, right? You know, and he's 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 become like a, he's a fantastic writer. Oh, that's you know, great. he was he was I he was our PA. Yes. you know when I first started out. I'm trying to remember. Did Rick Moragi was he? I knew Rick when he was an assistant, but he wasn't on the show. When okay, he he yeah. he like I knew him from I think he was on Summerland. I mean, or something. Rick is like a superstar. Yeah, he's now. awesome. It's crazy. He's a really nice yeah, guy too. Uh, I agree. I agree. Oh, that is so. so True. It's, so that tells me that the training ground. Well, it's funny. Brad was the, yes. the, the he would um, Brad Kern. Brad Kern who created yes. that. I mean, Sorry, show. he was running that show. Um, uh, he uh, Connie Burge created, created it, the exactly. show. Yeah, yeah. And who I didn't meet until years later at right. Curtis, one of the other writers' uh, wedding. And, oh and wow! It was a delight to talk to her. She oh, was little, that's great. She was great. Um, but Brad had he he tended to he tended to hire younger writers. Like right. He, he that was just you know. And it may have been a budgetary thing. It may have been a personality thing. Right. Um, you know, he was very into mentoring because he had been, you know, had sort of that happen for him. Yes. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of his mentor. It was on Remington Steel. I know. I totally, and, I, I remember uh, too. Uh, what's his name? 
Michael uh, Gleason, I think. Yes, it was Michael oh, Gleason. Gleason. Yeah, it was Michael and Gleason. So, I mean, a lot of these guys who come up with yeah. Gleason had kind of had learned, including Jeff Melvoin, right. had kind of learned about mentoring. Love Jeff Yeah, Melvoin. he's great. I mean, I, I would do the showrunner training program with him. Yeah. He's just a terrific guy. So, I mean, the the nice thing is that, you know, there are a lot of shows that wouldn't hire people, but that ended up being a show where he happened to hire a lot of young, lower-level writers. Right. You know, and I, was, I came on as a story editor. Yeah. And I left as a producer. And, That's great. You know, it was, uh, and it, it ended up being like, we're all over the business now. Yes. Um, I mean, that was a show where I, I the, the, it's funny, I, I, you never appreciate what you have when you mm-hmm. have it. I feel like the, the lessons that I really appreciate from that show were, um, I mean, that was a show that was exceedingly well run. The right. trains ran on time. Right. You know, there were some, uh, there were some inherent, you know, issues that preceded me coming right. to the show because I came on in season five, six, and seven. Right. And there had been prior to that this whole drama with you know uh, you well know this but uh, but maybe your listeners know with Shannon Doherty and right. she fired from the show and so like the the kind of like the the dynamic between the the set yes. and the writers had been established yes you know usually that is the kind of thing where it's like that season I one have to say stuff. that was I had a mind blowing moment with that situation Did where you? I saw Shannon take such control she oh, like I God. felt like she emasculated like it was it was just so fascinating to me on a psychological level when you look back at the behavior of yeah. some people that be that that you know that even they have to look back I know and they, go wow right. <laughs> you know well that was one where I, like I look back at, this is just from a if I were to go back and appreciate pure politics right Brad had to uh, write the finale right that i believe shannon was directing right in which her character dies right but she doesn't know that she dies right right <laughs> that's amazing yeah <laughs> that he was able I to totally do that agree. i mean i look back and i think oh, that, was, that was impressive i know that, was impressive. that brad did a really really good so job. i mean that was like yeah. that was a that was a tough i mean that's yes. a tough job yeah, but like the, what was great about that is we had. And a you guys gr- had double ups sometimes too, we didn't did. you? Where we you did, did, but two like the shows? show was really, yeah. the show was really well, well run, oiled. very yeah. well run. By the time yeah. when I got there, you know, we we were never late. Right. We always had. I mean, Brad was very specific about what he wanted. We right. always knew. You always got two passes on a script. Right. You know, your job. What one thing I really liked about that show, and I, I is that when it was your script, right, you ran the room. Right. You, you were on the board. Yes. You were writing on the board. I love that. Your job was to drive story forward. Yeah. And there were always upper level people kind of to keep things going. Right. But you were responsible for it. And at yes. the end of the day, you had to write up a document. Right. Because Brad was in and out as right. showrunner. Like he had a million things to do. Right. And that document would go to Brad and then he would give you notes on it. And it was sort of like what was great is it just taught you to have responsibility for your own thing. Right. Um, and as writers, we were all very, it was just, we were a close knit group and we right. all liked each other and we all helped each other out. And it just, it was a, it was just the a group good, still. So you're saying you do stay in contact with I, Yeah, no, I see. I mean, like I, I, I am in contact with, I had lunch with Monica and Allison a few great. weeks back. I hear from Curtis periodically. Great. I, I was, uh, I, I see Daniel now and again. Oh, great. Uh, Mark, Wilding and what is Janine. Daniel up to now? He's on The Mentalist. Daniel Cerrone, yeah. that's great. He's on The Mentalist, and then uh, Mark uh, Wilding is running uh, Scandal great. for Shonda. So, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, so he's because he's been he got onto he got on. I Grey's. interviewed Mark. 
Yeah, I He got into Grace because yeah. of Krista. That's right. And, you That's know, right. And then he just has been in that camp. That is fantastic. Pretty much. Oh, so, yay for yeah. I love Mark. And, you know, he's a Mark wonderful guy. He to me the he was a he was one of the I had the few early mentors and he right. was one. Yeah. And, you know, I think he was um you know, he he just he told me a lot of great lessons. Ah, <laughs> uh, see, but that's you what know, it, including it is. like you know, there's no people want to work with you because you know, like don't don't be a jerk. That's right. really it. <laughs> like well, be a nice guy. <laughs> that is a good lesson. Yeah. So going from charm to CSI, how did that happen, and was that a challenge from a storytelling perspective? Um, I mean, it was different. I had I wrote a spec of the shield. That okay. got me that job, um, which and and you know was a much darker. I needed to write something. You basically like sometimes. So you, the you get, shield is what got you on to CSI. Shield okay, got me so on this CSI. is good for everyone and to know. Exactly. Yeah. I had a friend who was working on the show, but right. they needed a darker sample from me to show that I could do that kind of stuff. So right. I, wrote, I wrote the shield, and right. that you know I ended up getting the job. And did um, you enjoy the experience? I mean, I, yeah, I did. I learned a lot. Yeah. It was really interesting. I got to do a ride-along with the CSI. Great. I got, to, I got to watch an autopsy. I got to, you know, I saw a, a murder victim shortly after, you know, being shot uh, as they took apart his head and took the bullet pieces out. I mean, things that, like, you just wow. never, things that you never know that you'll experience in life. Wow. Um, that was actually crazy. Was that a little frightening? That was, that's You know, strange. it was less than you'd think because yeah. it's sort of clinical at that yeah, point. Yeah, it's true. And, it is. and the crazy thing that was happening there was that it was me and another writer uh, named Alan McDonald mm -hmm. in, you know, in the autopsy room. And then there was a crew from a, reality show called the first 48 right who would come in with the with the gunshot victim right because uh, they were following the homicide detectives right so by the time the whole room was full there were more people from hollywood than there were people actually working on the case oh my god um but you know it was just it was it was really interesting uh, how the, did they break story on csi that was that was an interesting process and i i think it, it, that show probably doesn't get appreciated in this way as much as it should they we, we break the mystery straight right like we break the crime the true right. crime and then off the true crime we would then break go and sort of reverse engineer the analysis of it like sometimes we'd know what the what the the csi process we'd want to use and we had like a couple of csi consults who worked on the show who were producers on the show right who would help you know kind of keep that moving right um you know, for me, the challenge of that show that the reason that I, I didn't stay with the show was uh, I I it it's a show that is um, the character stuff comes at comes out um, mostly through like the victims, right? You know what I mean? Those are the yes. scenes that were people are crying and yes. you know sad. And it was funny where you if you were in PD during the day, yeah, you know if you were shooting a, in in the police department. You knew it was going to be a good drama scene, yeah. And if you were in CSI, it was going to be exposition, right? Because <laughs> you know right. it would be like, "We got the prince back, and guess what? It's a girl." Yeah, that kind of a thing, right? Uh, so, you know, it was really interesting, especially like working with real cops, right? You know, and I, that was the stuff that I liked about it. But I sort of wanted to be on a show that did a lot more kind of character work. Yeah, on, I mean that yeah. I, that's sort of my my that was always yeah, my compass. I would say that is yeah. your niche. Because like I, I I don't know how to write if it's not about like an arc. If it's yes. not about who the person is at the beginning and who the person is at the end. Yes. And the nature of that show was that the cops for the most part stay the same. Right. They occasionally would have their special moments and right. different episodes. And there's some really I mean there's some really 
interesting episode, and I'm very proud of the episodes I did when I was there. Great. I did. I, I, Good. I, I did one that was a that I co-wrote with another writer that uh, named Dustin Abraham. That was like a, it was an upstairs downstairs kind of thing. Where we right. Got to, we got to, it was uh, two murders in a hotel. Right. And it sort of it ended with the it was, one was in the penthouse and one was in the basement. One right. Was like a poor guy, one was like this rich kid. Right. And it ended with the two bodies next to each other in the in the morgue. Right. And the sheets went over them and they looked exactly the same. Oh great! And it was really, I mean, that was a no. Great, that sounds really good. That was really fun. Good. So anyway, it was it was but it was an experience. I learned a lot. I I think that's fantastic, and and I wish that we had a chance to talk about every single one of your shows. Well, but I actually I have point. some <laughs> very strong questions about the general craft as well um but before we jump to that the last show i would love to i would love to hear you talk a little bit about chuck and a little bit about uh gcb sure um well chuck uh, i came on i was on chuck for i was a consulting producer on chuck and i was doing a pilot with josh that year and um i did that was a it was a it was a brutal year in that we did 20 Four episodes, wow. I want to say. Yeah, we got like it was one of these. It was season four. I mean, that was a real. That was a great. I, I really love that show. Right, it's a really I fun love show. that show. Too. Yeah, I mean, the guy Chris Fedak who created it with Josh is just a really great guy. It was just a really nice room. Everyone, and it was a great mix of like we had a couple comedy people. We had a couple. That room went through a lot of changes over the years, though. Didn't well, it? it did. I mean, the first. The 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 it was pretty solid for the first three years, right? Um, and then what what ha- the problem that that show had was that it was on the bubble every year, right? And then I remember at the end of season three, and then it always got picked up. It would always get picked up, but at the end of season three, all you know, typical, you know, uh, contracts or three year deals, right? They, they lost all their writers. Okay. So all right, you know, because they didn't yeah. have an option on them, yes. and then the show wasn't getting picked up, and then they all had to take jobs elsewhere. Right. And then they ended up getting a whole I new staff. Know that. So that was, yeah, I mean, it was one okay. of those, because it was a late, late yeah. pickup. Um, so, you know, but it was a really, I mean, that was a that was also exceedingly well run. Good. It was a great, for me, that's the, it was a kind of a perfect show, because right. it, it's, a, it's a tonal mix. Yeah, I, mean, I it's agree. It's like part romantic comedy. It is comedy, a perf- perfect exactly. show for you, yeah. Part romantic comedy, part like spy thriller and there's uh, strong drama elements and strong uh, um, you know uh, uh, comic elements right and the job was to try to figure out how when to bring up one and when to bring up the other and that to me is that to me is the best kind of that's the show that appeals to me because you know you need to know when you know uh, what I used to say about Ugly Betty was it was a it was a four acts of jokes and two acts of crying right and so you sort of need to know when when yes. to do what? Yeah, <laughs> and no, that show I like was fun. Looking that at way. that formula, yeah, that is good. The nice thing it was it, it, it had a lot in common with Ugly Betty in a yeah. weird way uh, structurally, but um, but you also had guns. Was so Ugly it, Betty fun to write? For? Uh, Ugly Betty was a. I totally was not. You know, because Sylvia was a good friend of mine. He's like, right. please come work on the show. Right. And I was like, all right. And then I had more fun writing that show than like, oh, that's anything. Because it was fun to for me. It was fun to write jokes. I didn't. Yeah come from doing that and how did you learn that how how does com- how comedy I, you know i don't know <laughs> i don't know how to you. tell you that i I, love- I work with a lot of comedy people and okay. learned a lot about because and you mentioned that podcast that you love yes wtf yeah that's a great that's a great show about <laughs> comedians yeah yeah i mean that was that was an interesting show because we it was there were drama and comedy people right and it was a little like people from two different cultures yeah you know coming together <laughs> but like i by the end by the, the beginning i was like i don't want to because it was essentially yeah. a one-hour yeah. comedy it was yeah. absolutely one-hour yeah. comedy but yeah. like you can't really do a 
pure comedy for an entire hour. You've right. got to have something to get yeah. you into the last, you know. It has to some drama and some stakes. Yes. And not that, you know, all good comedies do. Yeah. But I mean, it just for an hour long show, you know, it was it was part soap. Yeah. So, you know, at the beginning, I remember thinking, like, I don't want to do punch up. I don't want to do any of this stuff. And then like by the end, I was like, we should punch this joke. You know, we yeah. should punch the script up. This is I not funny it. enough. It was very funny. to. So like, you grew a lot during yeah, that. Process. That was a great. That was a fun I process. think that's good. And yeah. what about GCB? Um, well, so was that was, a half hour or an hour? That was an hour. Okay. Um, and it was written by uh, uh, Bobby Harling, Robert Harling, who wrote uh, Steel Magnolias. It was just a real mm. genius. And of was uh, And it was really, that was a great cast. Right. And I got to work with uh, 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 Victor Nelly, who was one of the one of our writer-producers on Betty and was one of my favorite directors. I think right. he's probably done more. He's done more of my episodes than any other director right. I've worked with. I, right. I couldn't, I have to. He's probably done like six. Wow, that's so great. So I have a great working yeah. relationship with him, and I adore him. And so that was really yeah fun. I mean, that was a show. You know, uh, it was um, it was a weird mix of. It's also a weird tonal mix. Right. I mean, it was like it was kind of a comedy, but it also had these you know uh, religious elements. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, I I did that one. Uh, because uh, I mean, to because we get a chance to work with Bobby and, right. and uh, Gretchen and Aaron, Gretchen Berg and Aaron Harberts, who were the showrunners on it, are just terrific people, and I wanted to work with them. I love Gretchen you know. and Aaron. Yeah, and then I was also doing a pilot yeah. for ABC that year, right? Which I wrote with this uh, uh, another writer producer from Betty named Chris Black, who right. I have a good relationship with. Great. Who has a pilot shooting this year? Yeah, so, that's yeah. right. I heard. Yeah, it's yeah. a really it's a really good pilot. Oh, good. So. Someone told me about it. I think today really what's oh. the name of it reckless yeah yeah i did yeah. hear about that okay good um speaking of pilots <laughs> uh how many pilots have you written and what are some of the tools that you've learned that m make a strong pilot um i i've uh for i mean for pay i've written two right um and uh let's see i mean you it, it, it's one of these things where um Writing a pilot with a you 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 just have to think it through a lot more deeply than you ever probably think that you do. Right. Um, a lot of the exploration that is fun to do when you're writing on your own, you kind of have to pre-sell that, like pre-wrap it and give it to them. Right. Um, I, I think that you you know, for de you, depending on who your audience is, I mean, you have to understand your network. Right. You have to understand what genre you're going for very yep. specifically. Right. You need to. Um, you know, know who your lead is. Uh, the I learned a ton about selling pilots from from Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage and right. and Len Goldstein at Fake Empire, and they had a great process for doing it, which I, you know, basically stole and and taught to a few other people. And that was <laughs> which is, um, you know, it, it's a variation on the Warner Brothers formula for pilot selling, right. which has to do with like you you don't pitch the whole pilot sh episode right. when you do right. you pitch a teaser mm -hmm. um, you let them know who the characters are that's part yeah, of my pitch exactly. formula yep, yep, you yep. Um, I'm not going to remember the, everything you basically you pitch you pitch the teaser you kind of come back and you pitch the world you pitch the series you kind of give the broad strokes of the pilot and right. then you give them the tone and kind of follow it up you know I like I mean? it and as you pitch it we would cast it for right. them and uh, bring visual aids you know like yeah. You know, enter. We we were doing the, this pilot with Rachel Bilson, so we would always get a laugh when we'd come in and we'd pitch it. And we'd say like, 
you know, enter this character played by Rachel Bilson, and she right. would be sitting at the table. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so, but like we would then have like we'd have headshots right. of the actors who we'd imagine would play, and we'd put them out with the names of the actors so that the uh, people you're pitching to right. see that. Right. They don't have to remember who the actors are. They don't have to remember the characters. They think, oh, yeah, Robert Downey Jr. is that kind of type, and he's playing this guy. Right. So you have that out right in front of you right. as a way of having the people who are pit- you're pitching to remember the show. Right. Um, I mean, we rehearse the hell out of the pitch. I love that. Um, These are all good it, tips. You know, Great. it would be 20 minutes max. I mean that that's really you're probably pushing it. You know what I mean? Right. I would say like fifteen is really what you want. Right. But the big thing that you I would just say to remember, and this is for pitching, is that you you want to sell them the series. Yes. You know. Yeah. Because like, because pilots can be really simple. Right. You know, you, they don't have to do a lot. Yeah. Um, and they do have to they do have to do too much in a weird way, but they yeah. don't. The st- pilot story. But the series is what they're buying. Yeah, the series yeah. is what they're buying. And these days they. Tend- I think it's it's trying to find a medium though because I've seen people spend way too much time on the series mm-hmm. and not enough time on the right. pilot, and it's it's like. It's almost like you have to recognize you're not going to get to the series until the pilot's right, finally sold. Right. So, I think you need you need to you need yeah. to find that weird medium between yeah. like giving them just enough that they start to come into it, right. And ask questions and, and you know like they say, oh well, it'll be this, it'll be that, and, da, 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 and you know, then like, should give them an idea of what year one, two, and three look like. Yeah, and absolutely. Then you get them totally excited. Um, I, the other pilot I sold was a very different process because right. it was a it was an adaptation of a of a of a Australian format. Right. So, and I was writing with, with my friend Chris and we had tried, we had pitched them a pilot, which then they'd like the pitch, but it was an area that they weren't really interested in. Right. So they said, but we like this series. Why don't you take a look at it? Right. And so we, we sort of fell in love with this series. It's called right. Spirited. Um, right. And it's a, it's just this odd ball. I mean, it's one of these odd tone mm-hmm. shows that uh, really appeals to me. Uh, and we kind of came in and said, like, we just we we don't want to mess with the series. Like, we don't want to change this or that. We don't want to make it different. Like, these are the, the little things we we did a pitch basically. Where we said we change this, we change that, we create this character, but this is how we do it. You know, right. like, we we don't want to mess with it too much. Right. And they were like, great. I know that a lot of the people listening are going to be pitching a lot, so. I think uh, I think any pitching tips that I can get for them <laughs> is all good, and I have people pitching on my teleseminar constantly. Yeah, it's, so it's, that's a tough, that's yeah. a tough skill because you end up. There's different kind. I mean, there's those formal pitches, and then there's the kind of pitches you do as a writer on staff, which right. are, which are different. <laughs> How would you say they're different? Uh they're looser. Yes, you know, it depends. A lot on, quicker to the point. Yeah, and, and then be willing of, to let it go if it doesn't take. I have I have a. There's a rule I have in the room. There's a movie Croupier, right? This is what I he there's a line from that movie where he says, "Hold on tightly, let go lightly." I love (laughs) it. Which I think is the that is that's what I look for for writers in the room. Yeah, I mean like that that I have I usually I usually like fight twice, right, and then let it go. (laughs) <laughs> right, I like it. You know, cause, that's a good rule. Because uh, you you want to have you want to be passionate about it, but you also have to recognize when the story's going in another direction. Right. You know? Exactly. So. All right, two more questions. So the next question, speaking on what you just talked about, I would love for you, since you are at the co-EP level and mm-hmm. obviously on the verge of running <laughs> your own show very soon, what, how would you cast a writer's room? What can you tell writers that you would look for well, in staffing a room? The, the first thing I would say is 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 
just be yourself because mm-hmm. you don't want like I, I, there's a thing I always say to a friend of mine, which is uh, which we I, I started telling him that, and then he tells me that now, which is yeah. you, you get the job you're meant to get, right? You know what I mean? It it is like casting. You don't want to get the show you're wrong for because right. it will be a bad fit. So be yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't want to pretend to be someone else and then have to be that person, you know what I mean, for the job. Right. So that's that's the, a very good I mean tip. that's the main thing. Yeah. And it's it's a hard lesson to learn, I think, when you're eager to break into the business and get your first job and do the thing. But like there will come if you stay at it long enough, there will come the right thing for you. Right. And that is important to try to be true to yourself so that when that thing does come along, you will succeed. Yes. Um you know, as a, it really is partly it's script dependent. I mean, I personally like a room with a, uh, uh, you know, like a few upper levels, like three or four, mm-hmm. who can keep the room kind of going. Uh, I like a, a strong kind of mid-level staff, which is something that's disappeared recently. Right. right. Um, as shows have, uh, as the first Gone seasons of shows have become so important and like they launch shows and then kill them very quickly right they've put a lot of money on hiring the co-eps yeah but not a lot of money on like then they'll throw in a couple bucks for for staffers which is just not you know what i mean right it's not always smart it's not smart spending yes there are uh, i mean some brilliant you know uh, yeah uh, mid-level writers who uh you know who can do the work of any number of like upper level writers yeah Um, so i i feel like you you really want a staff that has some sort of middle and i feel like you need a couple because uh, and then you you definitely want some people who are just starting out who can bring fresh ideas to the show right um it, it depends on about... the genre of the show like what if 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 the show is about you know like a latino family right you uh, you i feel like it's helpful to have people who live in that world who come from that world to have that perspective you know, yeah. Um, so a thing. diverse perspective diverse that lends perspective to is, the concept of yeah. the show. You want people also, honestly. I, so you th- want to share your personal story so that the showrunner yeah. could really understand how your life can contribute to exactly. the concept. And because that, yeah. that's what you end up in the best shows. I mean, we do this on the Carrie Diaries. Right. You just share a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's a casting process. Right. And you, uh, uh, me personally, you want to have. Uh, I, I like writers who are willing to disagree with you. Right. Uh, you know what I mean? Who are going to be honest. Um, some showrunners don't like that, right? You know what I mean, and that's right. what they need for their process. I think the the thing to you remember like is that, somebody who is going to challenge you. Yeah, I cause like because like, that's why do we, why do you have a room full of brilliant people if yeah. you just want to hear your own words? Yeah. But then again, I mean, there are people who that doesn't work for their process, and like right. the job. This is the other big thing. The job is the showrunner. Yeah. Because every show yep. is different, I, yep. but what your I, job is is what that showrunner's personality is. I agree. And that's it. And and so I love it. You got to remember that. Yes, <laughs> I would say that's a valuable lesson that yeah. people learn along the way. Okay, so for our last question, and it has been phenomenal having you, uh, is there one gold nugget that you learned along the way that made the difference with your success? I think it's probably the most valuable thing is to remember that it's a long career. You know what I mean? That it's a long. There's a lot of there are a lot of ups and downs, and uh, that means a lot of that means like a lot of things. It means mm-hmm. uh, that the person who you're being a jerk to today is going to create a show tomorrow. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. Uh, I was like I said, like a bunch of um, people who were PAs on early shows of mine have gone on to like uh, Sean Smith who was our right. writer's assistant on on the Chronicle went on to create Greek for ABC Family. Right. 
Um, you know, I, I had, you know, my friend Andy, who was right. our PA on Charmed. He's gone on to be a staff writer. He's on Twisted right now for right. ABC Family. Great. Um, so, you know, there's that aspect mm-hmm. of it because I feel like, you know, you're it's it's a job where you get to work with some of the funniest, interesting, you know, like cleverest, smartest people in the world. Um, so, you know, remember that and act accordingly. And yes, I feel like the golden rule really applies. Yes. And then the other thing I would say is it, is the, the there's a patience that comes with that. I mean, yeah. you you need to be uh, you can't force it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes things aren't going to going to go your way. Um, sometimes you can't make a script great, and it maybe will just take time. You know, sometimes you will get assigned a script that's going to be bad no matter what, and it's just bad luck. And so you just have to take the long view. Yeah. You know, because there's don't panic. It's just television. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I think that is all fantastic advice. Thank you so much. Sure. Thank you. Ah, <laughs> this was wonderful. Okay. Let's see. Upcoming events. What do I, I'm in the middle of doing my Storywise Teleseminar. And I am going to be speaking on May 9th. I forget whether it's Nappy PitchCon or something like that. But you can find it uh, on my website under events and seminars. And I want to thank Henry Alonzo Myers so much for joining us. And this is Jen Grislanti of StoryWise Podcast. You've been listening to StoryWise with Jen Grisanti. If you're looking to get to the next step in your career and need a guide who has been there and knows what it takes, go to www.jengrisanticonsultancy.com. On the website, you can also find the latest on writing programs, feature film festivals, and other writing competitions. StoryWise is produced by Joel Metzger and Hot House Bruiser Productions. This podcast was recorded at the studios of Icebox Logic.